Hello and welcome to Here's Johnny's Reviews, the movie review podcast that'll slice and dice or praise and hype a movie. Each and every month is a thing and as it's November I'm doing Night of Movies including Night of the Living Dead, Night of the Demons and tonight's movie Night of the Comet, the weird low budget 80s sci-fi B-movie cult classic. That is the story of two sisters fighting not only zombies, rapists, or wannabe rapists at least, the end of the world, but a hidden dark sci- scientists doing weird experiments. This is a moment if I can say. Thing is however, does this ultra low budget zombie movie actually work? Well that's what I'm here to find out. So let's just dive into this one shall we? Well it's Pitifully low, $700,000 budget, this thing pulled in $14.4 million. And surprisingly, wasn't sequeled, or franchised, or even remade him for crying out loud. Apparently they, they lost the rights to it to MGM, and they were trying to get ones off the ground for years, and blah 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 blah. It's not going to happen, just move on, or remake the fucking thing. Anyway, starring Catherine Mary Stewart, Kelly Mulroney, Robert Baltron, Balfron, even sorry, Jeffrey Lewis, Sharon Farrell, and Peter Fox, written by Tom Eckholt, like uh, Eckholt, the hell, Eberholt, yeah, sorry, gotta cut bloody read. The plot: Two Valley Girl sisters wake up one morning to find the world has ended. To make things worse, zombies and mad scientists are after them. Can two sisters and a trucker rebuild society, or is the world doomed? Find out here. So the movie opens up on shots of a spotlight, oh sorry, a comet, zooming to Earth. As the narrator, narrator explains, this comet comes to Earth every few hundred thousand years, or a few hundred thousand millennia, and could have killed off the dinosaurs. Also about how the Earth will be in the tail of the comet for days, and why am I getting maximum overdrive flashbacks? Hmm. Check my second podcast, the Schlocky Horror Podcast Show, for my thoughts on that one. Cut to people partying in the streets holding up signs, and how very independence day of this movie. On to a cinema where we meet Regina, or Reggie, played by Catherine Mary Stewart of The Last Starfighter. She is an usher, however she spends most of her time playing arcade games, uh, judging by the fact she owns all the high scores in the game, all but one. That is of a person called DMK. This seriously pisses her off and she goes on and on and on about it all the way throughout the fucking movie. It's a bloody high school of Let It Live. Crainerwood. Her boss is Mel, played by Stanley Brooke, who, between trying to upsell overpriced headbands with two ping pong balls and a spring on them to customers for a ridiculous $9.50, uh, he is trying to get Regina to work, but she's not having none of it, so he sends her with a flashlight to walk around the cinema. However, she instead goes up to the projector booth with a huge bag of popcorn to ask her boyfriend, Larry, played by Michael Bowen, uh, who's trying to sell a bootleg copy of It Came From Outer Space for $100, if he knows who the fuck DMK is, because again, it's ruining her perfect scoreboard. Oh, let it go, love. He then offers her $15 to sleep with him, which she takes the fuck movie. However, they backtrack saying she's worth much more than that. Everybody knows that one because she's not a cheap date. 
Ouch! Does that mean she's a... Mm, moving on. Got to her little sister, Sam, played by Kelly Maroney of the equally camp Chopping Mall. Again, check out my second podcast, my thoughts on that one. As she's watching the Comet coverage on TV. The two sisters fight with their stepmom, Doris, played by Sharon Farrell, over where she watched the Comet. With Sam literally fighting her as the mother slaps her and then punches her and knocks her to the ground. And wow, we don't to play up against wicked stepmother fucking trope love. Nah, hmm. Outside, Doris joins her guest as the comet streaks past lightning hits and they all bloody well die in a rainstorm for some reason. <laughs> Meanwhile, uh, Reggie is getting the main attraction from Larry. Well, he's trying to give it to her anyway, but she's talking about Superman and how he can see through steel. The fuck, love? Way to kill the bloody buzz. Or a moment, at least. Turns out the cinema has steel walls, which is important for much later. Outside, the sky turns red, and the heavens open up. As the rain pours down, people are then turned to dust. Next morning, as the sun arises in the sky, again... This is very Maximal Drive, as the sky is now bright red. How very Maximal Drive did Stephen King watch and take notes? Mm-hmm. All the streets of Los Angeles are empty. However, clothing are scattered absolutely everywhere, and there's red dust in the wind. And note, these shots were taken in downtown Los Angeles as the city was waking up over several days. As the machines spark to life, and no, not to worry, these are on timers, the world is completely empty. Cut to Doris's party with cloves everywhere and red dust left behind in piles. And note, this red dust is brick dust. It's 6.30am at the cinema. Larry wakes up Reggie by shouting the film guy is late returning the film. So he was up to be killed by a zombie bin man played by Alex Brown. Meanwhile, Reggie is trying to wipe DMK's score. Give it a rest, love, for fuck's sake. It's an arcade game for... Jesus jinkies, some shitty game no to plays anymore, just get the fuck on me. Out she goes to gloat about her new high score, and she locks herself out, and here she finds the bin man eating Larry's liver, I think it is. She then kicks his ass, once she kicks the zombie bin man's ass, she steals Larry's bike and heads home. As she's riding home, we get to see all the streets empty, and what am I getting 28 days later vibes from this bit? Hmm. Went down to the bloody Mercedes-Benz parked in the street. Moving on. By the way, there's one car just abandoned. Just one lonely car in Los Angeles. Yeah, I think not. She returns home to find her sister is okay. I guess it must be lead fucking paint in the house then. Hmm. Reggie finds her in her room wearing a cheerleader outfit. Telling her Doris knocked her on her ass. So she ran away hiding in the tool shed that night. So it's a steel tool shed then. Hmm. And note, Kelly Maroney stole one of the Sheila outfits and has it to this day. Reggie then snaps Sam out of her whining to show her everyone is gone. All that is left is red dust. So, what's a girl to do? Why, of course, go shopping! But not yet. Sam doesn't even give a shit. All she does is return to her breakfast of raisin flakes and chocolate milk. Wait a fight, is she at all? The here at the radio... DJ is still alive, so drive over to see what's what. In the radio station, they find all empty, as the DJ is a pre-recorded tape. 
By the way, this radio station looks like an 80s yuppie has to rip all over it. It's all weather sofas and neon lights absolutely fucking everywhere. In the station, they find trucker Hector, played by Robert Baltron of Star Trek Voyager fame. And note, I forgot to say, Buffy Summers, aka Buffy the Vampire Slayers, what Slayers, Slayer even, was modelled on Sam. The two sisters, Sass talks Trucker, even though he has them at gunpoint, he then tells them about the zombies and how he barely escaped from a, them an attack earlier and ran to the radio station. After hearing this, Reggie runs to talk to throw up because Larry was eaten by a zombie. You know that one, love? You saw the guy holding the fucking liver in his hand. Hector checks on her. This leaves Sam all alone to mess with the radio, but of course... Reggie takes Hector's gun from him and mocks it, saying it's teeny and it's more stopping power. Ouch, love! Low blow. With Sam now on the air, she drops the original title for this movie, Teenage Comet Zombies. Sam gets a call from someone in a desert that freaks her the fuck out, so she runs to Reggie. Yeah, love, I don't blame you. I've seen Hills of Eyes. Nothing good can come from the desert. By the way, uh, this just hit me here. If everyone in still has survived, or in a still environment, has survived. Uh, does that mean the world population now rednecks? Get it. And now I've just pissed off half America. Sam freaks out as Reggie tries to calm her down. The radio mic picks up all of it and broadcasts it throughout Los Angeles. In the desert, a think tank group, safe on the ground, hear all this over the radio. Think tank group is Dr. Carter, played by Jeffrey Lewis, Audrey, played by Mary one of one of Roe, Oscar, played by John Acorn, and Dr. Wilson, played by Peter Fox. And they want to kidnap Sam and Reggie uh, to do test them to see how they can stop the zombie virus, or some mutation rather. However, Audrey says there's no need to test them as they're fucked, and there's no point at all. So these geniuses decide to kidnap them in the morning, because apparently it's, it's dangerous to walk in the streets. Moving on. Meanwhile, back at the radio station, Sam warns the others listening to stay off the streets at night as it's now extremely dangerous. Uh, there are zombies love the attack no matter what fucking time it is. As the sun sets and darkness falls, we see a lone car speeding through the streets. It's Sam, drunk, speeding, and in a pissy mood in a portion in the living. She's pulled over by two traffic cops and note these two were these two cops were real. I have to keep back traffic, so we're given a small role in the movie. She's attacked and Bella gets away as she rips into the cop's hand in a really disgusting scene. Not to worry, but it's a nightmare. She gets up to go to the bathroom where she strips off down to her white bra, which is see-through, but of course. She has a horse bath, as you do. Uh, she's attacked yet again by the same cop, but not to worry, it's a dream within a dream. She wakes up screaming. I hated that in fucking Nightmare on Elm Street movies, and I thought he's dreaming of a dream crap. This screaming wakes up Reggie, who calms her down as Hector runs in, but Reggie sends him away. Reggie then sees Hector doing crunchies, as you do. It's here he tells her he's heading to San Diego in the morning to see if his mother is still alive. She tells him she's an army brat, and it's only her and Sam, hence why she can handle herself and handle all weapons, any weapon at all. She just fires it perfectly fine. Get in. As Reggie and Hector connect, Sam sits in, sort of sits on a sofa, scratching a rash. Next morning, now armed, because they get guns from meh, Sam shoots up a car with an Uzi as Reggie looks on. 
Sam then snaps up Reggie for stealing, quote, the last guy in the world. Uh, he's in his 30s, love. It's sweet enough. Reggie is sweet on him. She's 18 and you're, what, 16? Kidding. Moving the fuck right on. The world is fucked. Zombies could attack at any time, sending you to your death. And there's only a handful of people left. Why, what's to do? Why go shopping, of course? Again, not yet. Cut to Hector pulling up outside his mother's house to find she's long dead. Here he's attacked by a zombie kid and Beryl gets away. Mate, you've got a gun. Shoot the little fucker between the eyes. Back to the think tank as Audrey finds out they're fucked. Nothing they can do can stop the virus. Once you're infected, you're infected for good. Dr. Carter then sends her to get the girls. A helicopter arrives, however, with two kids on board. Audrey and Dr. Carter argue over if it's right to test on the children. As back to the girls, who now have stolen a cop car, it's finally shopping time! All scored by girls when they have fun, but of course, quick change montage. Uh, what outfit goes with twin oozies? Why a little black dress and a fur coat? Or a white black, uh, a white black dress? A white little dress and a fur coat, because of course it is. The girls dance around until some punks break up the party. The punks shut up the place, Reggie holds her own as Sam throws high heels at them because of course she does. Out of bullets and Sam is now caught, Reggie gives up. However, before things get all rapey, the think tank shop and rescue the girls. Things, however, have gone from bad to worse as the think tank want their blood. Hmm. Reggie goes with the think tank heavies and Sam is left with Audrey and Oscar to quote-unquote run tests. Audrey injects Sam with some sort of drugs and knocks her to sleep as Oscar thinks she's dead. With that, Audrey shoots Oscar. Something about she's forgetting to do stuff because the zombies now, zombie mindset's now taking over and her brain is barely remembering stuff but she can actually shoot and do scientific experimentations. Get in. Back to Hector who's now dressed as Santa, as you do. Driving a Buick, and oh, this is set 11 days before Christmas, 1984, did I mention that? Yes, I have. He returns to the radio station, finding it empty, all but Audrey, who holds him at gunpoint. She leaves him a note explaining everything, then injects herself with a drug, killing herself. As back with Reggie, who is getting questioned by Dr. Carter about her general health. Meanwhile, two think tank scientists talk about how much blood to take from the survivors they have strapped to a table. It's either 500cc or 50cc, which is which, again, the zombie mindset's ticking over so they're completely forgetful and forgetting to do stuff, but 500cc? I think not. Back to Reggie, as zombie Carter has secretly turned into a zombie after telling her her sister is dead. Back to the forgetful doctors as they test the two little children. They are Sarah, played by Janice Cowain, and Brian, played by Chase Boyer. Reggie, in the meantime, has trashed the interview room, which Dr. Wilson scolds her for. She then brains him with a mechanical keyboard and runs for it. Hector is now dressed as a cowboy for some reason, drives up to the think tank HQ. He shows him Sam inside the trunk, but not to worry, she's not dead. She comes to and kills him off screen. I, she, I don't know, drew blood, shot him, what the fuck she done? Reggie is now lost in underground maze, runs as Dr. Wilson sounds the alarm. She has escaped. 
Hector rigs the think tank's car to explode. Two guards hunt for Reggie, who is hiding in the blood storeroom with the brain-dead survivors. She's quickly caught. Sam has entered the complex. She kills the power, just as the kids were about to be experimented on and put in a coma. Dr. Carter runs to turn the power back on, but it's too late. As Dr. Wilson and he run to put the power back on, rather, this leaves Reggie alone with one in it. Guard, she quick overpowers and kills him. The brain-dead blood bank all die. It is all over for the think tank. Reggie saves the kids. Sam runs in to help and Reggie almost blows her head off. Reggie fills the two forgetful doctors with laughing gas as the kids run. Now three, Sam, Reggie and the kids run to Hector waiting outside. Think tank give chase as their cars explode. A zombie doctor grabs the kids. Hector blows his head clean off. Next morning, a thunderstorm rolls in. The sky is blue again and the rain washes away the dust. Reggie and the group is now dressed in their Sunday best. A car pulls up. Hector throws away his guns as Reggie takes photographs with a Polaroid camera. In the car is DMK, Reggie's arch nemesis. He takes Sam away for a date as credits roll. So that was Nathan Comet's a cheap 80s sci-fi B-movie with a fucked ending. I mean, sick people are literally popular the entire world. Calm your ass down, Adam and bloody well Eve. The effects are good for ultra low budget, but this is too cheesy for its own good. Plus, this is pretty hollow and kind of slow and draggy, even though it is less than 90 minutes. It's kind of slow in places. However, this is dumb, fun B-movie. And could be lots of fun with a few friends, a few beers. I'm going to give this thing a generous 6 out of 10. Come back next week for End of the World, movie, end of the world movies, including Stigmata, 11 11 11, Ghostbusters 2, and more. Don't forget to like, share, comment, and subscribe. Also, follow me on Twitter at Here's Johnny's A Pod. And email me and movie suggestions too. Here's a Johnny or reviews at gmail.com. Check out my other franchise podcasts of Mad Max, Underworld, Resident Evil, and more. Also, my solo podcast of Escape from New York, The Stuff, Attack of the Color Tomatoes, etc., etc. Also, check out my second podcast, The Schlocky Horror Podcast Show on Anchor, where every two weeks myself and my co host look at all things B to Z, the very best of the very bad. Eh, hey, bye, and remember, I watch these bad movies so you don't have to. Now, where did I put that dustbuster? <laughs>